Okay, everyone. Hey, everyone. How you doing? It's just Mike and I right now. Kevin should be joining us soon. I think he's in an Eisenman conference. Press conference might be going on. Um, still, that's going to wrap up pretty soon, I think. Hopefully, with any luck at all, we'll be um, three people today. Uh, Russ is in Pittsburgh. Um, yes, he's on his way to um, a USHL extravaganza in Pittsburgh. Woo. It's a scouting opportunity for him. So yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of news, though, so you know, we're not going to be lacking for uh, things to discuss. Yes, and we're not going to do a pre-show really right now. We're just going to jump yeah. right into this. Okay, so here we go. Hello, Hockey World. It is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. I'm Michael Agello. And I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world now with a perfectly clean intro. Um, yes. Here we are. Um, so we're going to get into a lot of things. I'm going to get into my main topic today, which is I haven't, I haven't, I've got all my notes. I didn't get a chance to put the blog up yet for it, but um, I have the notes to expect to to explain to you folks exactly today. Because after after thinking, you know, after these guys convinced me Edmonton wasn't going to win the Stanley Cup, and then they convinced me yesterday that Buffalo is not going to win the Stanley Cup. So I've decided today that the Detroit Red Wings are going to win the Stanley Cup, and I'm going to get into that and why that's the case. Um, and uh, hopefully Kevin will be here. If Kevin, for some reason, can't make the show. We probably won't do Detroit today. We'll, we'll just do talk news. But um, we have, you know, that that's what's on the docket today because I'm really convinced now. This is my, I think, third time's this charm that the Detroit Red Wings will be winning the Stanley Cup. So um, we'll get back to that in a bit. But, uh, Mike, what do we got on the news? Okay, let's start with some of the contract news, and we'll start with the most recent one. And I talked to Russ about this, and we were sort of in agreement on this. The three-year contract to Rasmus Dahlin yeah. is not good news for the Buffalo Sabres. No. Now, this, this is my point of view. I'm sure I'm, – well, I'm not 100% sure because I, sometimes I wonder about the, the, uh, what's going on with the, internally with the Sabres. But I would assume with a player like Dahlin, they would want to get him on the long-term extension. Seth, of course. Seven, of course. Definitely. Um. I get this get the feeling that Darlene's camp is skeptical about the Sabres and said, okay, well, why don't we just do three years and then address the long-term contract in three years? Yeah. This is the same road, the same road that they went down, that, that Winnipeg went down with Jacob Truba, that Winnipeg yep. went down with Patrick Laine, that the Sabres went down with Sam Reinhart. And how did all of those situations end? They ended with the player being someplace else at the end of the, either the end of the three years or before. And I, yeah, go but, ahead. but, but, but let's just, uh, I mean, and I get, I get what you're saying and, uh, and you're, and you're obviously this, you're, you're right about everything you're saying. This is not good news for the Sabres, you know, right now, as you would look at it. However, I will throw this out there and the, of all the guys you mentioned there, you know, line a perhaps being the exception, um, you know, it's not Reinhardt and it's, you know, this is, this is not Truba. Um, he, he's a, this is, this is a superstar, you know, and line a should be a star, but you know, has proven not to be so far in the NHL. Um, however, I'll say this, the one thing that this does, okay. If I'm a Sabres fan and I, and this is where Sabres fans can grab some hope out of this, this puts the pressure on the Sabres to, to get, to get it together. Like this, th you know, Dolan will stay there if, if, you know, if he if the team is moving in the right direction, if the team's competitive, but they won't if they're not. A three-year contract really throws that pressure on. You know, that really means that they've got to be good. They've got to be good now. And and if, if I'm you know a team like if he if they just overpaid him for eight years or whatever, it doesn't that then he's set and safe. I they do not want to lose another guy because they're gonna lose Eichel. No, 
but 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 the, the thing is is and we won't know this for a while but the question is who wanted the short term if if the sabers wanted the short term then i question their sanity because yeah no it's definitely not the sabers it's yeah, always so, the player so so Darlene wanted Darlene's representatives wanted the short term and the six million dollar price tag was what was a little startling because yeah. on most of these deals especially the player who's a first overall pick, you'd think that he'd be getting seven, seven and a half million on a, on a short-term deal. I almost get the feeling that it was sort of like, okay, we'll give you the short term, but we're only going to pay you this much. Well, the reality is, you know, at this point they're getting, they're paying him about what he's shown them, you know, like, but he does, I mean, he is, he, we know, he know he has crazy talent. We know he's going to be crazy good and he's still on that but way. But anyway, circumstances here, I mean, really no, there are, but there are, but I think the situation yeah. here, you know, if anything, the Sabres get a break because they've been so terrible. You know, no question about that. But um, I think that three years works for everybody, kind of, because the six year, six year, six million dollars, like you said, is very reasonable. Um, and and just remember yeah. this: um, at the three years, he'll be a restricted free agent. He'll be one year away from unrestricted free agency. Now, I haven't seen whether he will be arbitration eligible in that year before UFA. But if he is. He could simply say, I'm going to arbitration and right. then get the one-year deal and then bye-bye. Then it's either the Sabres trade him or they lose him as a UFA. So really, I, I, I will grant your point that the pressure is on the Sabres. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I mean, they really have to show him something. And, again, we'll see. Three years I mean, down the road, they could be a completely different team. They, I mean, they have to be. They, ha I mean, it's been too long, right? They have to be. And if they're, if you, if you want to have an NHL team, you know, if you want to be an NHL team, if you're a Pagulas, if you want to stay owning an NHL team, you have to think to yourself that three years from now things are different, and be, and you know, and you have to make that happen. And the reality is, I, I don't. I, I like the fact that it still doesn't take him right up to UFA. I think that's big. You know, that if it's four years, it's a it's a nightmare. Yeah, no, years, nobody, nobody is signing. Nobody is signing a four year deal coming out of ELC. Right, that, right, right. So that's why he may as well commit suicide if he does that. That's why you get the three million. That's why you get the six million dollars. You get like there's certain things that you get to get to done with it in this situation. Um, I thought six million was a you know like you say it could is a little bit low for what we think he is, but at the at the same time, it does put him in a pretty good spot three years from now with arbitration or. Even without arbitration, I mean, he can basically, you know, he, he can make the Sabers' life a living hell if he doesn't, you know, if they don't, if they don't, if they don't, you know, sign him. I don't think this would happen that they would take him into that final year. I think they would either move him or sign him before he gets to that point because, you know, we're, you're going to know where they are. But that I do, if I'm a Sabers fan, I'm, I'm my the positive aspect of this. You know, I try to always try, you know, me. Um, the, the positive aspect of this is your team now has to make this happen. Like this throws, this throws serious pressure on them, especially losing Eichel, which is everybody feels that they will. Although, you know, it's not impossible. Like talk to somebody else today. It's not impossible that they, that he stays. Uh, there's still, there's still people out there that think that can be that, that, you know, Granado and others can get that worked out. But, um, I don't, I don't buy that, <laughs> but you know, at the same time, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, this, the, the pressure's on the, the pressure's going to be on the Sabres. That's what you want. If you're a fan, that's what you want. You want your fans. You want your team to be to be going to try to make themselves the best they are. And and and, and correct me if I'm wrong here. You you follow them closer than I do because you're right there in Buffalo. But yeah. I don't get the sense that the Sabers haven't tried to improve every year. I think that they just haven't made the right decisions. No, they have just been bad at it. I mean, right. It's like okay, yeah, great. We go out now. Granted, last year's changes were directed by Ralph Kruger. Right. So going up, but but somebody 
in that organization should have told Ralph Kruger, um, we have a $9 million left winger. We shouldn't spend $8 million on another left winger who plays a similar type of game. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and I don't know if that was Kevin Adams or if that was Terry and Kim Pagula, but somebody should have told them, no, you can't sign Taylor Hall. You need help yeah. in other areas. Yeah. And, or, or you shouldn't trade for a 35-year-old Eric Stahl. You know, the moves that they made last year ended up, and it's easy in 2020 hindsight to say that the moves were bad, but the moves were bad. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, now now they're completely stripping it down to the bare wood. You know, they've, like we talked about yesterday, they've accumulated a bunch of placeholders around a couple young, good young players like Darlene. And they're going to really suck this year, unfortunately, for the fans in Buffalo because they really do deserve a winner. But this team is going to be terrible this year. And, you know, it's good that they got Darlene under contract, Kev, but we were just questioning it's a three-year deal. And I would think the Sabres organization would have wanted a long-term six, seven-year deal. And the, it sounds to me like the player wanted the shorter term because he's not sure how good this organization is going to be in a couple of years. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that was it. I'm sure they wanted a longer-term deal, but it's, you know, the player has the leverage on the length of the deal. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. And, uh, um, you know, a, uh, I'm sure that Buffalo likes the $6 million. could have been worse. Yeah, uh, you know, we've seen uh, defensemen uh, get paid more. Um, I, the reason I was late, I was on the conference call with uh, Steve Eisenman, who had a bit of news with Tyler Bertuzzi, has uh, – Decided not to be vaccinated, meaning he will not be able to play games in Canada, at least for now. Um, as well, he's the only member of the Red Wings uh, that chose not to be vaccinated as well. And Eisenman was asked whether he was disappointed, and he said, no, not really. And he said, you know, I mean, that's his decision, and, you know, I can't force him to get. But he said, but let me just say that I'm vaccinated. Every member of my family is vaccinated, and I'll leave it at that. That's what he said. So, yeah, it, it, it's weird. It, it's weird across the board. The vaccination has come up in almost every media availability to the opening of training camp. Uh, at Leafs training camp, William Nylander came out wearing a mask. Uh, he said that he had uh, decided to get vaccinated, but he only had one of the two shots. He's going to be getting the second shot before the beginning of the regular season. But right now, uh, he's not fully vaccinated, but he's in the process. So they're, they're really, I mean, after Kevin, after the news yesterday about Zach Ronaldo and what ha you know, he decided not to get vaccinated, and now they've basically assigned him to the AHL camp and he won't be invited to the regular camp. I mean, players the 1.5% that aren't vaccinated they have to realize they're going to make their make it difficult for themselves and for their teams if they don't is that the latest did you hear 98.5 last i heard it was 95 yeah i think i think i think uh, bill daly said in the media availability it was like 98%, 98% yeah i heard him on xm saying that too it was 98 um, okay there yeah um, there's like 15 players that are not vaccinated it's something like something like that yeah okay right. well, wow. Well, this is big. This is big news for the Red Wings, obviously. Um, Kev, you know, um, I'm going to my 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 dis our discussion today is, you know, I've convinced myself that the Red Wings are going to win the Stanley Cup. So we have to. Uh, yeah. Well, Bertuzzi is a big part of that. But we'll um, so that'll be let's, interesting. Let's let's put put a kibosh on the parade for a second. But there the, we'll, we we'll come back. We'll get back to that as, as, as our at the end, but, for, you know, in a little bit here. Go ahead, Kev. You know, the one thing I think we need to point out, though, is the Canadian issue. Um, the 21st, right, Mike, is the uh, uh, date for the uh, 
Uh, next they, time they, they're yeah, yeah they, they extended it to October 21st a couple days ago, which means that uh, Canadian um, Canadian non-essential travel is not allowed in the U.S. Um, but uh, it, the other way, it's 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 uh, allowable if you're tested, and all these teams are going to be tested. But for unvaccinated, right. you're not allowed in. Period. So, so wait a second. So does this affect Canadian teams coming to the U.S.? No, I no, don't. No, just no. Uh, no, no, but it, but if you're if you're not vaccinated, you can't get in. Right. No. The Canadian the Canadian teams have a have essential status, so they'll be able to okay. uh, travel into the U.S. and play in the U.S. But it's but I mean, but right now nothing is really going to get to normal until um, the border situation is resolved and and uh, on a, on an equal playing field. And the U.S. government doesn't seem to want to drop what they're doing and I, it seems to be the, a, a local congressman indicated that it's sort of a tit for tat situation that the u.s government is not doing it because the canadian government is making people have to test and uh, test negative within 72 hours to cross the border now all that doesn't matter to these teams because they're all essential but still i mean for example the buffalo sabers 15 20 percent of their fan of their season ticket base are Canadians, they're not going to be able to go to the season opener. Or maybe they're lucky that they're not going to be able to because the Sabres are not that great. But they want, you know, they paid for their t- A lot of Canadian season ticket holders didn't renew because they knew this border situation yeah. was going to happen. And without the people there, that's a lot of money that they lose, Buffalo loses, um, on, on concessions and parking and all the rest. That's a lot of money. Now, um, the Kaprizov deal finally came down. Yep. That's what we've been hearing for weeks, which leads me to believe, Kev, that they just waited until the day before training, that they had the deal in in the desk and they just waited until the day before camp to, to announce it. Nine, yep. nine million times five years. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that's a little troublesome to me about it is um, clearly they factored in uh, – the fact that he, you know, came over late, he had years logged in the KHL, mm-hmm. um, and you know they paid him like a guy who was a, you know, a four-year veteran instead of a guy that's played fifty-some games in the NHL. Right. I mean, nine million dollars is a lot of money to give a guy who's played only fifty-three games. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I just said, I'm sure that the argument for you know, his side was, yeah, but he was playing pro hockey in Russia and he just didn't come over here. So, um, because he's not even, I, I, I've seen people go like, this is outrageous for a player his age. Um, there's six guys that are, um, uh, that are 24 and under that are making that kind of money. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, you know, so yeah. I, he was a great player. I don't know. Is he a $9 million player? Well, everybody, everybody, and I think I've dropped the comparative of Panarin to Kaprizov because, you know, Kaprizov is a draft pick of the Wild, and Panarin was an unrestricted free agent. They both came over around the same age. Uh, Panarin had a short-term deal with Chicago, and they ended up trading him before uh, that deal was up because they were afraid they're going to lose him for nothing. And I was talking to Russ uh, on his way to Pittsburgh, and he uh, he was basically saying he thinks, you know, four years down the road, you know, Kaprizov is probably going to end up – and I'm sure the Wild are not worried about that, this right now, but something that they worry have to worry about down the road is that more than likely, you know, he'll, he'll sign this deal and he'll be there for five years and it won't be any longer than five years because he'll want to cash in and go someplace like – 
Panarin did. Uh, they're worried about that, but they're not, you know, but you can't really think about that. I mean, you've, no. got, five, you've got five years. I mean, the, the reality is the other thing, I mean, in talking to p people that I know out there in Minnesota, um, this did, this did, this, they weren't sitting on this deal. This did just get done. Um, okay. And it was a matter, but it was a matter of like, they, they basically were saying, this is, this is the deal. Like they, Minnesota was, you know, and, and they were waiting for Kaprizov to, to accept it. And Kaprizov's camp was sort of holding out, trying to get a little bit more. And, and, um, Garen didn't really budge, you know, this was the deal. And, and Kaprizov wants to play, you know, he wants to play. And, and the thing, the other thing I have to think about, besides the fact that Kevin's right, you're right in the fact that he's older than, you know, that he's got experience in the KHL. He also is one of the most exciting players the Minnesota Wild have ever had. Like they, the, you know, this Gabbard, this Gabbard. yeah, but that's a long time ago. Yeah, and, yeah. and, um, and even, you know, so for them right now, yeah, they know, they know what this, the, this, this brings them more, a lot more hoopla to their, you know, their fan, their fans definitely just, they loved it. You know, they're the owner of this team is a big fan of this guy. He's just, he loves excitement. He wants excitement in the fans. You know, he's more about excitement even than winning. He just wants it to be exciting in, the, in that arena. And he knows this guy makes it exciting in the arena. He's more, he's more into excitement. Than no, winning. I'm going to, I'm going to say it this way. I'm not yeah, going to rephrase that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, let me rephrase it. <laughs> this, of, of all the people I've talked to um, at that level of ownership, you know, which is, I've talked to probably six or seven owners in my time. I haven't met an owner that cares more about how exciting his team is on the ice than, than, than Craig Leopold put it that way. Like well, he definitely, he definitely puts a lot into that. And he was so fired up last year. I talked to him several times during the year about that, you know, about how, how this guy was just so much fun to watch and so much and, and bringing, bringing the fans out of their seats and all that stuff. That, and that, that, that that's all fine and good, but you really have to be careful when you calculate the owner and the fans being enthused about a player to give them a big contract because we've seen that here oh, in Buffalo. Sure. We're sure. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not I'm not saying you know Jeff Skinner and, and Kaprizov are in the same in the same stratosphere, but the you know Sabres fans would have been pissed off royally had Jeff had Jeff Skinner not been signed, and now two years later they're like, "What the hell are you doing signing this guy?" Yeah. So you know it. And but, but again, the other thing I want to make clear in what I'm saying here, Mike, is this: mm -hmm. that you know, as much as Craig Leopold loves that kind of thing, I flat out know from from dealing with him for years that he does let his GM do whatever he wants to do. Like oh, he's yeah. not he's not the guy who's like playing who's who's playing GM. Like if he doesn't, if Garrett doesn't think this deal's worth it, he doesn't sign it. Um, this is all this all comes down to Billy Garrett for him. Like it did, yeah. you know, with with you know David Poyle in Nashville or whatever. You know, it, it comes down, he does do that, but there have not been a whole lot of guys that raise you out of your seats in Minnesota over the years. And this is well, I, I, yeah, I've never seen that uh, brought up in contract negotiations. So no, it's uh, not brought up in contract negotiations. It's just a matter of fact. It's like, the, well, I, mean, I, I don't think anybody's criticizing them for getting it done. It's just a little bit more than you normally think. That's all. Yeah. I mean, that, and I'm trying to explain why I think it is a little bit more. You normally think. I think that that does play into it to a degree that they want to have, a superstar they want to have a guy who sells jerseys you know like who sells tons of jerseys they're, they're having superstars matters you know but you know, to they haven't had him. but to extend on kevin's point about uh kaprizov the two other signings that happened in the last 24 hours i mean it doesn't really take much to establish your value in the nhl nowadays because okay elvis merzlikens has played 61 nhl games Cal Peterson has played 54 NHL games. 
Yeah, but it was established this summer that if you're a goalie and have a pulse, you get five million. <laughs> right, and 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 Peterson got a three-year deal at five million, and Merzlikens got a five-year deal at five point four. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. I mean, well, look at what Bernier got uh, as a backup. As a backup, yeah. 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 So I mean, yeah. the the days the days of the goaltender not getting paid are over with because and and you know of course the team that I cover, um, you know Jack Campbell was interviewed today and said, well I'm not worried about my contract. I'm just gonna play out the I'm just gonna play out the year and see where things go. Yeah. If he has a good year in Toronto and he plays 40, 45 games and he has a nine fifteen to nine twenty save percentage, he's gonna get paid five million bucks at least. At least. Well, yeah. You know I. I say this all the time because I've seen it historically. You you never know what a goalie market is going to look like um, from year to year. Sometimes there's a bunch of teams looking for goalies. And, you know, I've had discussions with goalies. I mean, I remember uh, our good friend Tom Laylaw was an agent, and he had uh, – oh, I'm drawing a blank. He was in St. Louis. I uh, played with Nashville. Oh, was, Wilson. Wilson? No, no. Um, I don't know. No. Oh, he's, now, he's now like he's now an analyst in national yeah League. yeah he's a good player what's a good player uh the, the goalie the ball down with the national what the heck someone will come up with it some people are screaming yeah anyway yeah 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 but anyway <laughs> uh you know tom uh turned down good money uh from st louis because he thought he would be you know good in the marketplace problem yeah. is nobody was looking for a goalie uh, that, yeah. that year and chris uh mason thanks guys chris, chris mason. mason yeah thanks yeah yeah and uh, it didn't happen for him. Took less than uh, half of what he thought he was going to get because that was one of the years when nobody was looking. So, and, well, in Jack Campbell's not the kind of goalie that's going to say, "Well, you got to get him no matter what." I'll move out my goalie to get him. No, 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 no. I'm not saying yeah. that. But what I'm saying is he he played really well last year, and if he splits time with Morazic and has a good year this year. Maybe not the Leafs because they won't be able to afford him, but somebody will give him. You know, if he has two good years in a row, even though he's 31 years old, somebody will give him serious money. Yeah, if there's teams looking for goalies. Yeah. yeah. Now, if the goaltender <laughs> market is, is dried up, then, yeah, you're right. right. Then he probably won't. Even won't. Now, uh, in some sad news regarding goaltenders, and I know especially Eck and, uh, and Russ Cohen were – crushed at this news and it's hard it's it's heartbreaking and uh yeah. for his for his career but uh ken holland said that alex stalock is unlikely to play uh he said this season at, because of the covid related heart uh uh ailment so you know the, the the ability of the edmonton oilers to win the stanley cup as x said a couple days ago based on alex stalock being the you know superman is not going to happen yeah. I feel bad. Like, say, I feel like, bad for him. It's, it's, it's terrible. But no, it's a terrible thing. And, you know, it just shows what, you know, we don't know about COVID. You know, like what we're learning about COVID all the time, it, it, it affects things more than just getting COVID. Um, you know, people, we saw it last year, you know, with uh, Zibanejad, who said, you know, he had COVID early in the year, got better, but never got his win back, you know, completely. Just like there's this, there's things. And this is a, now a heart condition. Any under condition can be brought on. Can be can be amplified by COVID, so it's yeah. rough. And there's been other uh, athletes as well that have had uh, long hauler syndrome, and that's cost them. Yeah, uh, well, yeah it's really it's really rough. I really do feel bad. Um, I do feel bad for him, uh, and it's definitely one of those situations where, you know, the Oilers, you know, they have their two goalies there, but they're going to have to they're going to have to go out and maybe get somebody else here. I think they, you know, you might need to. I don't know if their young kid's ready yet. I talked to people about him. I don't think he's ready yet. 
they have they do have a prospect they like, but I don't think he's there yet. Um, a couple other things. Um, Elliot Friedman reported that in a pre-Olympic practice, um, Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid played on the same line. Surprise, surprise. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now that'll be, you know, that, that, that'll be, you know, obviously that'll be fantastic, but, um, the Eichel news and the Sabres didn't hold their media availability today. Let's talk about that for one second though, before we get back, let's talk about that for one yeah. second, because like, um, you know, they, they, they play very different styles, right? They're very different players. Um, you know, uh, McDavid is no, is no, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a score off the rush type guy. He can do a lot. Obviously he can do a lot around the net too, but he's definitely a off the rush guy he has speed that just, you know, he's way faster than Sidney Crosby. Well, who's playing wing. That's what I would like to know. Cause I would, I would assume McDavid's playing center and Crosby's playing the wing. That's a good question. You know, I mean, I would, I would say that I would rather have Crosby setting up McDavid than McDavid setting up Crosby. So I don't know, you know, like it, to me, the, it, it plays, it also plays into like my whole thing about Crosby, which I really have always believed that, you know, he's the best grinder of all time. You know, like he's the greatest grinder we've ever had in the NHL. Which would lead me to believe that he could play the, that he would be the, the guy on the way. Yeah, and he's going to get, so he's going to get the puck, you know, he's going to get the puck. He's going to find the puck and, the, and he's going to, he's a great four checker. Like Sidney Crosby does things that just other stars like that have his point totals don't even come close to doing. Um, and yeah, this, 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 he opens up a lot of space, you know, a ton of space for McDavid. I mean, my gosh, you know, Crosby's out there. You got to be aware of him. That's going to be fun. I, I would think, um, I, 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 I don't disagree with you. I think you're probably right on that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I remember back when Babcock, when uh, Dad Suk and Zetterberg were together and they came to him and they said, well, you know, who's the center? And he's like, uh, you know, I don't really care. You guys work it out. <laughs> yeah, like, like, you know, you're two great players, you know, do, do what you feel comfortable with. You know, yeah. and, uh, uh, and he said, unless there's a dispute, then we'll talk about it. But I, I, I would think that's what they would do. They would just go to the two of them and say, you know, what, what are you feeling? And That's you know, interesting. I mean, that, that does seem like more of a Babcock type thing, though. I don't know. that, that, that It's hard to say. I mean, I, I, think a lot of, I think a lot of coaches, not all, mm-hmm. I think would do that. Have yeah. a meeting of the minds. Because why do something that you risk alienating both? You know, you it'd be best just to go and say, well, you know, how do you how do you feel about it? The problem yeah, yeah. there, there is a risk with that because you know if they have if the players have disagreements, right, uh, right, or and, and you can always I'm, I'm sure they'll be going back and forth. I mean, Crosby is the better faceoff guy as well. Yeah. You know, I think that that if you're in a defensive zone, I'd rather have Crosby on the faceoff than I'd rather. Yeah, he, he, I think he'd always take the faceoffs. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it is contra- it is contrasting styles. I mean, somebody in the chat was just bringing up what I was going to say. It's like everybody assumed that it was going to be Crosby, Bergeron, and Marchand because that worked in Sochi. And I and I, I, point, I, yeah. I Berger, Bergeron can play anywhere, and he can play the wing. He can play the center. He's a phenomenal two way player, and that would probably be the checking line for Team Canada. A checking line with you know th- three immortals. Um, and, but, but yeah, I mean, and, and anything Marshawn make the team, if, 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 this yes. does, if that's, if those three aren't together, I don't know. Yes. Marshawn's making the, team. he's one of the best wingers in the league. 
Yeah, yeah, but we don't. We went. I think I think I thought his benefit. I thought his value was raised above those other wingers that he's very similar to because of the fact of that line. You know, that to me was no. I think thing. I think his value is raised because of his tenacity, because of his ability to get under the skin mm -hmm. of other other players. And in the Olympics, since you know they very rare, they they very rarely call penalties. You know that getting under the skin is uh, is essential. So I I, I yeah. think. I think, I, think I think he does too. I was just bringing it up for discussion. I mean, I, I, I agree with you on that, but I also think that, you know, at the end of the day that you'll stick, we can still see Crosby Bergeron and Marshawn together. I mean, this doesn't mean anything that there were, this was a practice, yeah. you know, this yeah. is a practice and why right. not, you know, why not see what can happen with Crosby and McDavid sure. in practice? You know, like what happens if they're out there? Do they have incredible chemistry or do they not? Maybe they no. do. Crosby doesn't play well with everybody. We've seen that. Like it's yeah. not easy to play right. with Crosby. It's September. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a perfect thing for them. For now, them. Yeah, we'll see. Try it. Well, now, the, the, I, what I was, what I was, you know, transitioning to here because you know, obviously, the U.S. and the Canadians, you know, the matchups of two loaded squads will be fantastic. But the Jack Eich Jack Eichel situation in Buffalo, Elliot Freeman reported this, and um, it's a little stunning to hear that this is a possibility. But Elliot doesn't report anything that he probably doesn't even already know is going to happen. Um, the Sabres are having their media availability tomorrow. They're doing their medicals today. The speculation is, is that obviously with the neck injury that Jack Eichel will not pass the physical. If he doesn't pass the phys physical, supposedly the Sabres will strip him of the team captaincy. I mean, they're going, they're going to war with this guy on yeah, every front that's a rough this one. It's just not the way to approach this. It's not something you do until you have to do it. Like, I, I wonder why they would do it now. You know, like to me, it's like, to me, that's one of those things. Like you could do that the day before the season. You could do that. You could, you could do it at any point you want to, but is, how effective is it right now? It doesn't, it doesn't. Well, I mean, it's sort of, it, it's sort of like pulling off a bandage quickly. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's going to be painful whenever you do it. So, you know, maybe do it right at the very beginning, but why do you even have to do it? Yeah. I don't think you do. Yeah. I don't think you have to do it either. I'm with that. Clint. I, you know, you, you, you put that off, you don't create more yeah. tension than there is. I mean, everybody knows it's going to happen. You know, you're not going to name a captain now. Right. You wouldn't name a captain now anyway. Yeah, yeah, so just wait. And that's See that's that. like a coach's decision type thing kind of anyway. So I don't know. I don't I, I don't I don't see Granado doing that. I I'd, I'd be surprised. It's not Granado. It's the no, organization. No, to me, no, usually the coach is the one who names the captain, right? So it's like, uh, oh, we just had a discussion about that. Really? Steve yeah, Steve Eisman just talked about how he and Blashell sat down and talked about the alternate uh, okay. captain. Because they, you know, they got rid of two in the off season, so I, right. I think that's pretty much the way it works everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe it is the ultimately the coach's call, but I'm pretty sure everybody weighs in. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I had this discussion at least, at least a few years ago in Philly. I had this discussion with the coaches there and 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 the G, and the GM there, and they they basically said, at least in Philly, it was the coaches. It was always the, on the coach, and they they said the one of the reasons that they thought that was we talked about it was I said, isn't it kind of interesting that when a coach moves on you know, the captain usually stays the same, you know, where I think that that would be something that I would let, I would keep the captain same for a while, but then I would let the new coach kind of pick his pick his guy, depending on how the coach, I mean, different coaches handle, have different coaches, have captains have different kinds of responsibilities, right? That's for sure. But, you know, some, for, for some guys, you know, I know the captain is a vital um, go between, between the coach and the players. It usually means the coach has to get along with them really well to have that happen. So I don't know. That's interesting. I, I don't, I don't yeah. know if it, 
you know. Sorry. And uh, and I was gonna say, and finally, um, with the signings today and late yesterday and today, there are only three restricted free agents remaining: the two in Vancouver, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, and Brady Kachuk. Uh, Jim Benning just said uh, a little while ago that he doesn't think that they're very far apart on Hughes and Pedersen, who are both represented by the same agent, J.P. Barry. Um, obviously, this other situation with Kachuk, he's not even in Ottawa, and he doesn't plan on going to Ottawa until they get it done. Um, I don't know, Kev. Kachuk you know, he's somebody who I think when he digs his heels in, I mean, his, his, his dad and his brother are the same way. He's not going to, he's going to either get what he wants or he's not, he's not going to, he's not going to play. Yeah. I, although I, yeah, it's hard to imagine a Kachuk not playing, uh, but um, mm-hmm. I, I do agree that he's stubborn. And I do agree that he, whatever he wants, he wants. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens here. I mean, you're, you, you know, you hear all sorts of, you know, kind of speculation is just, is this his way of saying, you know, I want to, you know, go with my brother or I want to get to St. Louis or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, you also hear they're really not that far apart. So, yeah, you know, so how much does he really want? Does he want nine? Does he want? Uh, I wonder if it's term. I wonder if it's like Darlene. I wonder if he wants a three-year deal I, instead of an eight-year deal. He's pairing it's bonuses. You know, that's what it is. It's bonus. Do that so- too. That's that that that's the issue. So yeah. if it's bonuses, that can usually be figured out, you know. Yes. Yeah. Well, almost all this stuff can be figured out, you know. Yeah. Although it's easy for us, you know. We always throw around like, you know, like they're half a million apart. You're going, oh, that's that's a half a million, but you know, <laughs> like, you know, uh, I'll take over an eight-year deal. That's four million. But um, yeah, it, I, you know, one thing I sort of agree with you on, Mike, is is generally my uh, I don't get. Terribly excited over uh, negotiations for restricted free agents, but in this situation, there there is some danger here because there are some teams sitting out there with um, a lot of cap space and teams that need to improve. And you know, like for example, Detroit, uh, Kachuk lived in Michigan for two years. Uh, um, yeah. You know, he has he, you know he has connections there. So you know, if Eisenman went in and offered eleven million dollars. Or something like that. Would they match? Now, I, I'm not. I don't want to start a rumor because I don't know that mm-hmm. they would even consider that. But, um, but they could. You know. Yeah, they uh, could. I mean, it's. I, I mean, New Jersey, Detroit, there are a few other teams that have boatloads of cast space. A lot of teams are up against it. I mean, you would really hand. Yeah. You really handcuff. I mean, Ottawa yeah. is the cap space. I think you'd handcuff Ottawa because I don't know if Eugene is liquid enough to be able to spend spend eleven million dollars on one player in one year. Well, you know, the only problem with that is, is that I remember it was explained to me about um, that. You know, somebody made a statement, like for example, that you know, back when Nashville had to pay twenty five million dollars, right. and. Um, uh, the one of the I think it was a, one of the Nashville owners said, you know, nobody in this league has twenty five million dollars in a safe behind them. Like you yeah. said, everybody would have to finance that. Like yeah. You, yeah. you'd have to go to the bank and get a a short term loan, and that's what you do. So it says, you know, they say like, well, you do that to a, you know, a, an owner doesn't have deep pockets, or to an organization that's a smaller market. And he goes, sure. no different 
to do it with a smaller market or a bigger market that you still have to go find a you know a bank in order to give you the money you just don't right. have that kind of money you, know, right, you don't have right. an account with 25 million million dollars in it no these guys the guys like that they they never have that kind of liquid money i mean right. they, money money's tied up every you know everywhere else making money for them so that's yeah i mean you know but yeah um all right let's move on to so to two days ago um i was convinced by kevin and mike and russ that the Edmonton Oilers would not win the stanley cup and yesterday I was convinced by Mike and Russ that the Sabres would probably not win the Stanley Cup. A um, corpse could have convinced you that the Sabres weren't going to win the Stanley Cup. Please. Today, today, I, I, I really feel good about, I think, three times, third time's a charm. Today, I'm going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings, And um, I went into, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not definitely not the expert on the Red Wings that Kevin is. So, excuse me if I screw any of this up. But I'm going to give you my reasonings okay. for why I think the Sabres are going to win the Stanley Cup. So, And what I'm going to bring up to you guys first and foremost here is that this is the team that you probably know the least amount of players on in the entire NHL. Not the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 the Buffalo Sabres. I think the Red Wings have the least notable yet, you know, interesting. They're interesting, but if, if just if you were just to go around the league to ask your Joe fan in, in an NHL city, I bet you would be able to name less Red Wings that are going to be on this starting roster than any other team. Um, I don't know about that. I think I think so. I really do. Um, I mean, there are some guys on here you'll know, of course, but um, but there are it feels like, you know, from everything I've read that there's going to be some guys that that you that you won't know. Um, I'm going to start off with some of the, uh, you know, the staples, obviously Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi. Now, of course we've had some Bertuzzi news in the last little bit here. So I'm going to just forget about that for a second and pretend, <laughs> pretend that didn't happen <laughs> because just pretend he, he got vaccinated. Let's just figure, let's just figure something's going to change. The laws are going to change in Canada. I don't know. Something's going to happen. And he, and you know, for some bizarre reason, the Red Wings let him play uh, unvaccinated and, um, and other teams are okay with that too. But I think, I mean, obviously that's, that's their, that's their, that's their, you know, that's their top two of their top three players on their on top line. And, and, and Bertuzzi was hurt a ton last year, barely played that, that obviously was a big factor in last year because they were still, they were showing some improvement. And then last year they fell back. But I also think beyond Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi, there are some team, there are some players to be excited about. And one of them is, um, is Robbie Fabry, who I, I really, I like him a lot. And I've always liked, I've always liked you know, Fabry, I think as a five on five guy, his numbers are pretty good. They're a lot better than you think. Um, and, um, and I'll, I'll also throw this out there. The player that I really think is going to add a lot to their team, who was very quietly, maybe the best free agent pickup in the summer per dollar was, was, was Pius Suter. I really like that pick. I, I think here's a guy who was with, with, uh, you know, with the Blackhawks was sixth in rookie scoring was like, He's obviously just because the because the Blackhawks went the way they went, you know, he was a, he became a casualty, but he's absolutely a player, you know, and um, you know he'll be a player for Team Switzerland too in the Olympics. He's he's a player. Um, there's no two ways about it. I really like the young guys coming up, and um, I mean, obviously, Cider and Raymond are the two that everyone's talking about. Raymond, I under, as I understood, had a really great time in Travis City. Was had a really good tournament up there, um, and uh, you know they the Red Wings lost in the final to the. To the Blue Jackets up there at Travis City, but it was like you know, but he had a he, had a, he was putting in goals like crazy. Um, and I also like I also think people don't like do you do who out there knows who Jonathan Bergren is? You know, like he's a guy that a lot of people may not recognize, but he put up 45 points last year in 49 games in the Swiss League, and he's he came over here and you know is ready to go. Is a you know Raymond and he are two two Swedish players that are just gonna you know I think are gonna take this team by storm. Besides that, you know. The 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 subtle trade we talked about at the trade deadline that got Jacob Barana was such an interesting move. 
Um, because Mantha had been such a big key part of that team for a long time, but they got a they got a great player in Verona. There, there was nothing subtle about that trade. No, there was nothing subtle, but it was like it was surprising because it was one of those yeah. deals. It's like you know, why are the Red Wings making that trade? Like Red Wings, a team not this is this is this what the show beautifully is. Eiserman is not about this year. He's about you know the whole plan, and he saw a chance to get the whole plan to fix the whole plan better. And Verona goes into the in Detroit and was just fantastic. I mean, he had eight goals and three assists in eleven games for Detroit. Well, l- l- and I'll finish up. Okay, with finish finish up my thoughts here. Um, so, uh, so then out of nowhere, Eiserman made another great Eiserman move. You know, picking up the goalie out of you know picking up um. So thank you, thank you, and to go with Grice, who had a good year last year for them too. Um, and Grice, I remember Kevin, you and I talking about Grice through the end of the year, and you saying Grice is really playing well for them. We um, did, yep. And uh, I think you add those two together, you know, to go with a, a defense that is has a one side that looks really good and one side that's not so good. You know, the left the left defensive side with the Kaiser, um, Stahl, and Letty um, is going to definitely be solid. You know, those three guys are pretty solid. Um, Letty, like you, Kevin mentioned, is going to be missed in New- missed on the island. I think, and I do agree with that. Um, he's going to bring some needed experience, and he's a quick puck mover. And this team is fast. I mean, this is a very fast team. You have to have fast puck moving players. They're going to be incredibly fun to watch. I mean, they have guys still down the line, um, but even even like guys like Joe Valino, who scored last year, I know for them. Um, you know, Philip Bronick and um, and Philip Sedina. I think these are guys. These are players that you might not know right now, but they're going to be a part of this Red Wings team in all likelihood this year, if not, if not next year, I just see this team really being able to sneak up on people this year. And I just, I wouldn't want to play them. Like they, they, they really remind me of that fast, quick playing young team with nothing to lose. And Iserman has been so patient and has so many prospects coming that the pressures on these guys to perform because they know there's other people coming up right behind them. If they don't, this, this is a team, this is a team to watch. And that's why I think that the 2022 Stanley cup champions will be, one of the most miraculous things in history, yeah. okay. um, the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 shake that aside because they're not winning the Stanley Cup. No, they're not, they're they're not, you got to prove to me that they won't. So, Kevin, go ahead. No, I wanted to ask Kevin a question. To yes, leave here. No. Okay. Because um, we've talked about the you know arguably the worst team in the league in Buffalo, and we'll we'll talk about Arizona in a couple probably in a couple weeks. Um, you know, Detroit is down there, but at least you see what Iserman is doing here, you know, it's, it's slow, it's methodical, but he's adding pieces. And now this is the year where they bring in the kids and they, and they get their nose dirty and they, and they learn and they're going to make mistakes, but you can see two or three years down the road with the pieces that they're assembling, that this team is going to be really good. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think everyone feels that way. I I do think that uh, Steve Iserman, uh, being such an icon in Detroit has had it an easier go of it than most general managers. I mean, it's all, you know, rainbows and butterflies in, uh, in, yeah. in Michigan. There's not a single Mike Jello out there who's <laughs> doubting uh, Eisenman. And and to be to be honest, uh, he's not been worthy of any criticism. Uh, almost every move he's made, uh, people around the league have gone, well, you know, bringing in Fabre as Eklund mentioned. Yeah who's a decent player. The only thing about Fabry is, um, uh, and uh, is, and I'm going to sound like Mike Agello, uh, he has a long history of 
of getting being injured. Sure. Um, but and and you know it really is a long one. Like you know he hasn't played a full season in a very long time. Right. Um, but when he plays, he's very good. He's very good five on five. I I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if any of those rookies are ready. Uh, you know, Lucas Raymond looked good, but he, he got injured. Uh, uh, Bergen was injured in the rookie camp as well. Um, so the guy that looked really good was Valeno. Uh, yeah. Valeno um, has put on, looks to me, 10 or 15 pounds, and so he's got a lot more courage. He plays right. with a lot more grit. He's still fast. Uh, still looks like he can score. So, you know, he's a guy that I think uh, could uh, step into the picture. But Steve Eisenman just said uh, 45 minutes ago that uh, these guys still have to make the team. Like, right. you know, they're not, they're, they're not moving. They aren't to the point where they're just going to hand jobs to people, although I think Cider has been penciled in for a long yeah. time. Um, right. But, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think the improvement will come from all the players that Eklund mentioned. The yeah. Pia Suter acquisition – I said almost immediately that there's a chance he could end up as the number one center. Yeah, you know, I, I think they're a little, uh, I don't want to say disappointed, but I think they see Larkin differently than they saw him uh, under the Ken Holland regime. I, I think they would like to give him in a number two role, um, right. thinking he would be a much better fit there um, than having to kind of carry the load um, because he's got great speed and everything, but you know, maybe not quite as creative uh, as you'd want with a number one center. Um, but Verana is a legitimate scorer. Yeah. Um, I think they think uh, uh, Zadina is going to be, there's a chance he could get 20 this year. Um, you know, Rasmussen, uh, they don't think he's anything beyond like a third liner, but they really appreciate how hard he works. Yeah. So, like he could be a Jordan type guy. Uh, yeah. And and I, I you have to say I mean first of all them getting Suter because Chicago didn't qualify him because Chicago was loaded up the middle with Taves coming back and Dylan right. Strom and Kirby Dodge and and then they added all the salary he was just it was just a salary situation he's a he had a really good year he's only I think twenty five years old he's a quality player he could play in that offensive role but what I like about Eiserman is. He finds guy and and I, I'll use this this term. He finds guys off the scrap heap, like or or finds guys who other organizations like his former organization in Tampa just couldn't hold on to. Like two years in a row, he gets Adam Ernie, and now Adam Ernie I think is a, is a, you know he played pretty well last year, and he got a new contract. Now he gets Mitchell Stevens, and Mitchell Stevens was an example of a guy in the numbers game in Tampa that just didn't get an opportunity. I think he's going to be a good player for them. They keep they keep finding these guys, and when you add these guys to that future core group, that's why I say two or three years down the road. Like if these guys play support player roles, and then they have Valeno and Zadina and Raymond and everybody else, I mean that that could be a real accumulation of quality talent. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I think they're they, you know they could go up and. Uh, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, uh, yeah. not in that division. But I think they could be up there with uh, Montreal. Like they could challenge Montreal for the five spot. Uh, you know they, uh, you know, and mostly on the strength of the you know guy like Letty they brought in, which will make who make the defense better. Um, I think Mitchell Stevens could actually end up as the number three center. Uh, maybe move Rasmussen down to four. Uh, you know, uh, I just think he has that that potential. I think he's got a little scoring in him. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, Eisenman is very optimistic about 
uh, some of the guys that uh, he's coming in. Uh, there's no doubt Lucas Raymond has a lot of skill, and uh, Berggren is a guy that really hangs on to the puck. Uh, he was seventh in the Swedish league in scoring. Um, that you know when uh, Eklund read his numbers, but the, the, that's those numbers were good enough to make him the seventh leading scorer in the Swedish league, and that's still a pretty good league. Like it's not, uh, you know, it's not the NHL, but uh, you know it shows that he's got uh, skill because there's a lot of really good players there. So. Mm. Um, um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think if they got up and uh, were, uh, you know, pushing around in the middle of the pack there in the Atlantic, I think they'd be pretty pretty uh, happy with that. He did, Eisman did say today that although, um, you know, it will come down to who's playing well, he thought the general plan it was is uh, Nadelkovic and Mitch and uh, uh, Grice would probably split. Yeah. Right. The, the goaltending. Um, and uh, I think that's the only other news that he brought up today. Brana, by the way, is not at training camp. Uh, yeah, he had what, visa issues? Visa issues, yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, uh, the dreaded visa issues. The, yes, yes. Although I always, when I was a kid, I always just felt that was guys not wanting to come to camp. So, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I, I always said when somebody, one guy has visa issues and the other guy has Mastercard issues. Um, <laughs> I like I like the uh, I like some of the guys they have there. Some some you know is Sam Sam Gagne is still around, right? He's still going to be a part of their team this year. Yeah, 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 they like him because he's. I think he's the only player on the team who's uh, our only forward who's over thirty. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, uh, they're not uh, they're not all, all that high on DeKaiser anymore. Um, you know, DeKaiser has uh, had a back injury. They actually waived him, if you remember, last year. And then uh, he did come back and then uh, uh, played okay down the stretch. So, you know, he's a veteran uh, guy. But right. um, the thing about the Red Wings that, you know, that I've sort of uh, trumpeted that uh, so people are, understand where Eisenman is at, like he's put together this team and there's a lot of potential here. He has $15 million left this season and he takes $23 million off the books next year. Wow. So, um, you know, he'll have maneuverability, uh, right. room. and I think nobody, uh, other than, uh, maybe his protege, uh, Brisebois in Tampa Bay. I don't, I'm not sure anyone knows how to manipulate the cap quite like Steve does. So, yeah. Uh, you know, he does a good job. It'll yeah. be it'll be interesting to see like what the free agent class is. On yeah, it's not very good. I've looked at it, so I I don't know that they'll be looking to get a free agent. But you know that that's kind of changed now. Like you know, you utilize your money in different ways. Uh, yeah, you, you could trade, you could trade for somebody. Uh, right, Nick, Nick Letty uh, is a perfect example of that, and and that's the one thing too. Um, since Steve Eisman took over, he's made six trades, and nobody, nobody heard a word about any of them before they happened. Yeah, you know, yeah. there was no hint, no rumors about Rana and Mantha. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, you didn't hear about the Red Wings and Nick Letty. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the two guys that made that trade are, are the two guys that yeah. keep secrets the most. Yeah. So. Um, you know, they probably didn't even tell each other they were making the trade. <laughs> I bet they didn't even know. <laughs> but it was done in code where only like only, nobody knew the entire thing and Star everything. Signals. Yeah, Long Island. <laughs> um, couple couple news and notes here. Um, we're being reported that the St. Louis Blues are working on an expanded role for 
wait for it. Oilers, former Oilers and Bruins general manager Peter Shirelli to be part of Doug Armstrong's uh, staff. He'll be probably the VP of Hockey Ops. So Peter Shirelli is back in the NHL. Um, the other well, one really is, uh, is, is much maligned, um, but also, um, is very smart. He's a very intelligent guy. Like, um, you know, and, and really like just, and not, and I think in the right kind of, I don't think he was necessarily the best GM, but if you put him in the right position in the organization, you know, with cap management and different sorts of situations like that, he did pretty well in Boston, but what he did in Edmonton was, but Ed, see the Edmund, Edmonton just seems to bring out the worst in general managers. At least that's what I see. <laughs> <laughs> and players and players and it seems to seems to now uh okay this the the evander kane story continues just to devolve uh a report today uh indicates he will be file uh, he will be facing domestic violence and sexual assault charges i, I just wonder this how could the san jose sharks and how could his representative let him talk to the media, uh, which he did last week, when everything, when the investigation with the league was unresolved and the stuff that is going on with his wife? I think it was just him. I think it was straight out him. He wanted, yeah, wanted to talk true. to straight out, wanting to talk to Linda Cohen. Like from what I heard, it was you know he went and he said, "I want to talk to Linda." Cohen. Like that was the gut person he wanted to talk to. He wanted to get his name cleared up as much as he could, and he thought that she was the one who would do it. And I think she did a heck of a job. She did a great job on the interview. Oh, the interview was great, and she did a heck of a job. I just wonder for for like I said, for the team and for the for his representative who are supposed to protect him. Well, is it is it is it going to get any worse for him? <laughs> I mean, like honestly, if I'm him, I might, if I'm him, I might want to at least make a statement as well, just to sort of at least because he looked semi sympathetic in that interview at times. You know, right? Like, but, if he's, but if he's lying, Eck. Now, most of the yeah. most of the discussion was about the gambling allegations, but this is the personal stuff that's going on with his soon-to-be ex-wife. I mean, th this is something that you know. I just, I, I, you know, I, if I was the team or if I was his agent, I'd say, don't do it. Keep your mouth shut. Stay out of the public eye. You know, ride this out. But no, he he took it. He did an interview. He was what he thought was forthcoming. And now, I mean, you know, if, if this stuff just keeps compiling and compiling. I don't know. I mean, some somebody in one of the our private chats was saying, you know, this, like if these charges are true, this is grounds for termination of this contract. Right. Right. Yeah, and that will be the case. I mean, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I, I you know, it, it's it's a tough. It's 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 a really hard thing for the sharks, obviously, and and a tough thing for him. But the sharks are gonna have to deal with it. Um, and the sharks players, you know, have been have gone on record saying that they don't want him there. Although I think that. I don't know if I don't know if that's overblown or or not. This really it was a very bizarre thing for NHL players to say. So for them to say that, yeah, they, they didn't go on the record though. It was off the record. Yeah, I guess they did. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should say that it was off the record. But for them to even say it off the record like that, that's that's yeah. And and there, and one one player who was on the record basically didn't say anything untoward about Kane said that, you know, he was working on his issues. You know, if he was having a gambling, you know, they, of course mm -hmm. in the, in a, in a public forum, they don't want to come out against their own teammate. Right. Privately, they probably will because it'll never come back on them. And if there's really problems there, then the last thing they want to do is air the dirty laundry out in public. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but you know, again, probably their best player last year. It's kind of like a tricky, it's a, it's a real tricky spot.
Yeah. You know, arguably, but like definitely one of the best scorers they had. And uh, yeah, I, I really hope it, I, you know, you just hope it's not, I hope none of these allegations are true, but you never know. We know we have no way of knowing. So we have to wait and see, we have to wait and see like everybody else. But um, that's all the time we have for today, folks. Okay, so yeah. I've, I've crossed Buffalo, Detroit, and Edmonton off our list. Yeah, I, I guess you guys have convinced me that Detroit will not win the Stanley Cup next year. Um, <laughs> so ne- tomorrow I'll try somebody. I'll, I'll see if I can find the next team. I, I, I would say the, of those three, the Oilers have the best chance. Of- yes. oh. Yeah, that was for sure. I'm, I'm definitely taking on a couple hard teams here in a row. Um, yeah, yeah, you I'm are. Gonna take, I'm going to take on a much easier team tomorrow. I'm not sure who that will be, but I'm a team that actually does would be considered by many a contender. Um well, Remember, based, folks, on, based on what, what my column I'm writing for today, you should talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, because that, that would I'm give me a break. It would, it would give me a break. <laughs> okay, you yeah. got it. That will work out well with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing uh, five reasons why they can repeat and five reasons why there's no way they'll do it. Oh, okay, perfect. That's fantastic. That'll that'll play in perfectly. All right. So or, why, why don't we why don't we wait until Friday so we can talk about that column with Kevin? Okay. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that column with Kevin on Friday. So tomorrow I'll have to come up with another team, but it'll be, it'll, I promise you, it won't be Arizona. Remember, without the buzz, folks, it's just hockey. It won't be Seattle either. Talk to you tomorrow.